had in that pub. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody Where'd had... Where'd you go to in the end? Uh, stomping grounds. Stomping grounds. Yeah. I think it was. But everybody had, a, solid, everybody had a beer and I went up to the counter and I'm like, tell me about your desserts. And they're like, oh, sorry, we're not doing desserts tonight. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> would you like a beer? No. <laughs> would you like a beer? It's like, no. <laughs> to be fair, I think Nathan had like one and then moved on to Jack Coke because Nathan exclusively drinks shitty beer. Player 2 Pixelcast episode 51. We did it, guys. We made it. We're, we're here in 2021, and I'm... For one, my name is Tim Henderson, and I am here very sad and sorry to say that a lot of the shit from 2020 is going to roll over to at least half of this year. So we will do our best to distract you by talking about games and making stupid resolutions and things. And... Ken. Yes. How you doing? I'm all right. Oh, could be better, but all right. That pretty... This is a pretty appropriate, you know, turn of the yeah. end of year response at yeah. the moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it is still a fiery hellscape, so that's fine. Oh, man. Let's not... Yeah, I was going to say, like, it could get it could get remarkably worse. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't jinx it, Ken. I, it is like, I had one hell of a New Year's Eve, which is not podcast appropriate, so maybe I should bring that up. Um, and that other voice you heard, um, Paul, you're like back with us for like the first time in heaven knows how many months. Uh, as we were discussing before the show, I think I might have popped in two episodes last year, but it's been a while still, so it's good to be back. Well, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, but like we were also saying, Paul, you've been extremely busy, so... Well, yeah, I mean, every other week that there's not a Pixel Cast episode going live, the the Dev Diary feed is populated. So, patched. if you're a player two person, you've got me every fortnight via that. It's yeah. patched every week as well, and then I pop up on other people's shows, and yeah, there's and still written stuff and videos plays, on the player two channel. Right. So, so, I'm busy. So, yeah, if you you know if you're sick of Paul, leave a message. We could use the reviews. <laughs> so- <laughs> no, but yeah, um, as I alluded to. Quite directly earlier, we will basically just be making gaming resolutions throughout the second half of this episode, like we have done in in years past, and like years past, we will probably forget what they were by the end of this year, but who knows, maybe 22 will be the first time I actually go back and listen to this thing. And you can get the exact And bring this shit up on what people said they were going to do. Last year's would be really interesting, like that was before anybody knew what the fuck was going on. Um, As it is though, Ken, you have... You seem to actually be enjoying Cyberpunk. Like, I can see your Steam account. You've played a lot of this game. I have. I've played a lot of it. I mean, there's a chunk of that game, that of that of my playtime that doesn't count because the game was running in the background for some reason without me clicking AFK. on it. But, like, yep. I have been playing almost 40 plus 50 hours of, of Cyberpunk. Oh, that's a lot of running in the background. <clears throat> oh, yeah. There's a, there's it, it clocked another, like, 10 to it's 50. 70. You've got 70 logged yeah. on your Steam it, it, right it now. It clocked in about another 15 to 20 hours in the background for, for some odd reason. It, it's <laughs> it's it's a thing. Like, like you go to Steam and you launch the game and it launches a launcher. Mm. <laughs> so It's rarely a good sign out the gate. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so this seems like appropriate for Cyberpunk. <laughs> that's, that's... Yeah. Like, all, all told, I do enjoy Cyberpunk. Like... Ultimately, I do enjoy the stories. I'm enjoying learning about what's happening to the characters. Um, I don't know if the writing constitutes as good, but it is interesting. And 
the <sighs> characters are compelling and the main story is mm, it's okay it's it's enough to get you through but like it's the side stories and things that are happening to other people and the crises that they find themselves in um that's interesting so how interesting because the witcher 3 in particular i i mean i don't like i don't think it's the witcher 3 level of of um because the side missions in that game were just like game changing yeah like i would i would say like like i didn't play that much of witcher 3 so i I can't do a straight comparison but i know generation yeah I know, but I uh, yeah, I know that <laughs> Sorry, people. Just no, no, like my flag I, in the soil there. I I can appreciate it because I know that people sort of raved about the side missions and particularly the Bloody Baron um, comes up again yes. and again and again and again. It's and, really good. And nothing I think in Cyberpunk reaches that level. Like yeah, okay. they're all solid Bs. You know, or A minuses, like they're solid B stories. None of them, I think, reach that same um, level of investment and moral ambiguity and, like, um, take you down this, like, whole um, rabbit hole, rabbit warren of a story the way that Bl- mm. Bloody Baron does. It doesn't do it that way. But even then, that still sounds like the side quests are better than probably 90% of what other, you know, uh, yes. open world action or RPGs are kind of dishing up. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Because ultimately, because a lot of the side gates, a lot of the side missions, I mean, there's, there's a variety of side missions. There's side missions that involve the main characters or the, the main recurring characters. And those are the most interesting ones because it sort of peels back layers of, you know, what motivates them and the sort of their lives outside of yours. Um, so it's like things are happening to them, which are separate from the campaign and it's happening to them and you're helping them. That makes it interesting because I'm my, me, the character, main character, I'm not the center of those stories. And, mm. and as they go through, they, you know, their layers are peeled back, you know, bit by bit, layer by layer. And it's like, okay, that's, okay, that's, that's another something interesting about this character. And they're all sort of, sort of like within the main satellite of the main character that they're like all revolve around the main character. So as you progress through the main campaign, these characters keep coming back. And because you've spent time investing in their stories, they seem more interesting in your own story. Huh. Yeah, okay. So, so that part is the interesting, and then there, are, there's, there's the other sort of the outer ring of site missions where it's just random people giving you things, and it's kind of like, all right, here's a little interesting tidbit um, about the that's trying to give flavor to the world. Um, so that sort of like, you know, if you've got like, what's the, the circle of like proximity to your character? You've got your immediate char- immediate recurring characters and their side stories, and that's the interesting bit. And then you've got the a, a, a sort of a wider ring of, of less interesting, less important characters that pop up every so often, and you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then you've got a whole range of a whole range of of um, other side missions that have nothing to do with the story and nothing to do with your characters, and you're like sort of just doing it just to get a feel of the world. Um, the world yeah, okay. And speaking of, Ken, how is the world? Because you kind of let me down a little bit in our Steam chat a few days ago. The world is boring as shit. Uh, oh. It's just boring. Like, 
there's very little character like for a cyberpunk game in which like you know movies like Blade Runner where atmosphere is, is important and it has a lot of visual atmosphere right and this is where I sort of have major gripes with the game and in which I feel like it's just it, it goes down the same as every other open world route so the city looks good it looks interesting and um but you don't actually spend a lot of time in any one part of the city you're there to do missions and when you go to the mission bit like okay you've got interesting geometry you've got interesting obstacles to sort of navigate through and you're walking through what looks like a marketplace like okay that's this is interesting but you you spend maybe all of five to ten minutes in there finishing the mission and chances are is you'll never come back to this bit of the world again and and they're just completely unremarkable and it's it looks good but beyond looking good and beyond its sort of functionality for the mission that you're doing there it has no other functionality so it doesn't feel lived in the 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 sort of the npcs that populate the world don't feel like they live there or inhabit that space organically they're all sort of like mannequins on a backdrop Uh and the majority of the city feels like that you go to you go to one room to another room there are all these doors which you can't enter and all these buildings that you can't enter and there's no these are just empty boxes they're not spaces they're not environments they're just like sandbox a means to an there. end it. yeah they're the sandbox in the world in the worst possible way in that they're just like yeah, they're just paper boxes right yeah it's not great so you you enter not great at all so you enter and it's just it's just feels like every other um open world game and, and this is where it's like it looks good it, it has the right look to it it's got the neon lights it's got the sort of griminess it's got the right lens flare i think like i'm okay with cribbing a cyberpunk aesthetic in general because i think it looks cool and that's fine but this game is actually called cyberpunk and there's very little punk about it yeah and and the punk part like you're literally helping cops do their job <laughs> which kind of flies in the face of that yeah right? like oh, wow you're putting down i did not know that you're putting down organized crime gangs and you're putting down like domestic not domestic assault, you're putting down assaults and you're putting other gangs and you get rewarded by the police department like there's nothing punk about this it's it's so confusing to me because i mean the witcher 3 had a few problems but it was also and pretty well pretty good well at balancing a lot of these things and like it handles its themes well and 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 i think like my biggest my biggest 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 gripe about the game is like ultimately its systems mean very little because all the systems are focused on the character they're like crafting and leveling and yeah you know and you know cybernetics and that sort of thing but <clears throat> the cybernetics mean so little and the leveling up means like let me give you an example um i'm i'm like 40 to 50 hours into this game i'm level 28 which is just above half i think you can reach a max level of 20 or 50 if i'm oh okay you can reach level 50 um i've i'm at level 28 you've got attributes and then you've got skills i've spent probably i've banked up 
I've got about banked up about 20 skill points. So you're kind of playing an immersive sim style where like you come across this thing you need you need to be able to access it for one reason or another so you'll just dump a whole bunch of points at that at that particular at that stage. specific point yeah but I haven't needed to so literally if I <clears throat> so for example if I need to hack a door it needs an attribute I need intelligence five and I'm I happen to be intelligence three and I've got like attribute points banked up I'm like okay I suddenly just gain two points of intelligence I can open this door that's fine. Skill points, um, I've got about 20-something skill points. And it has had, and it's all banked up. I've, I haven't had felt the need to increase my skills in any skill. Like, it hasn't affected, right. hmm. it hasn't affected anything in my 40-50 hour playtime. And you increase. How are you? How are you playing it? Like in terms of oh, navigating I'm, I'm just, potential I'm, combat scenarios. I'm just going. I'm just going it? guns blazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I decided a lot. So is that just a case of getting your uh, weapons play becoming... and those sort of things to a certain point, and then once you're at that point, it really doesn't matter because it's all down to player skill at that point on. No, like because everything is bigger numbers. Like, like for example, let me give you an example. Like, if I increase my re- reflex attribute. Every point I spend in my reflex attribute gives me one percent chance better crit damage. Like one percent. All right. One percent, literally one percent. Negligible. Like all these, like these changes are minimal and, and, and incremental and very minor, right? So I actually don't need ref- reflex because my keyboard mouse setup is fine. I don't need a one percent chance. So I go in blazing, you know, because I decided when I started playing this game that my character is just like a rough street kid who knows only guns. You're the guy who does this now, aren't you, Ken? Like, I forgot what other games you're talking about as well, where I think most people approach it stealthy and you're just going, you know what, I'm just going to fuck this and just become a dumb brute. Yeah. Um, Deus Ex or something? No, Outer, outer Worlds. Oh, right. Nah, that was it. Yeah. But th- it doesn't matter because... So I'm going into these environments and... You know, I shoot up the place, and I pick up guns, and the guns I pick up always have higher numbers, regardless. And, you know, every gun I pick up has a higher number. So all I need to do is just pick up better guns. Um, So I have a gun that was, like, 75 mm. DPS, and then I pick up one that's 100 DPS. That's better. I'll pick it up, I'll switch it up, and I'll just use it. Um, which I, then negates the need to invest which in negates, certain skill points. I, I, absolutely. Right? So right now I have a gun. I have a gun that's four hundred DPS. It's like all right. I've got I've got a gun that has four hundred DPS that auto tracks on enemies. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, right. So I like okay, all right. I'll, I mean, I decided a long time ago my character would be this this type of character. That's fine, but it's like the crafting, like. It's pointless because you can always pick up better weapons. The leveling, even if you were to go with um, a stealthy approach, um, I've invested nothing in stealth and I can still stealth. Like, I can play the game perfectly fine because every, again, every little tiny point that you invest in, in, in stealth gives you such a minor benefit that it makes almost negligible impact on your play. What sort of what sort of benefits would they be getting then? If you, if you can stealth it at level zero, essentially, um, what sort of incentives are you getting for investing? I know, I know, you haven't played that way, but I don't do you know. recall what sort of things? I don't know. Like I've literally stealthed whole missions with zero investment in stealth, 
then all I have to do is just play smart because the AI is dumb as shit. That's one thing I've definitely heard a lot of. Outside of all the you know, <laughs> performance issues and all those sort of things, I have heard a lot about the AI lot being about the AI. pretty shit. Like, they just stand there, right? And then it's got all, like, it's got the worst tropes of open world games. Like, I hit somebody with my car um, by accident. I'm, I'm never, like, sort of looking to, to wipe out a, You're not a regular pedestrian, right? And then I get a, I literally get a star on my minimap, like GTA, and all I need to do is and, drive away. Oh my away. god, I have hated the GTA games for that. Yeah, all I need to do is just drive Forget away. Vice City, it's GTA Night City. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's essentially. Yeah. All, all I need this to does do not is, appeal to me. All I need to do is, like I said, like drive away for like 200 meters and I lose the star. I'm like, all right, oh. well, that means nothing. Like, I literally would just like round the corner and just wait there for like five minutes and my star goes away and I just go back to where I need to go. Like... There's no police systems. There's no environmental world systems. There's no traffic system. Like buildings don't have building don't have buildings in them. They're just empty boxes, except for the specific ones that you're going for the missions. Like beyond that, none of the buildings. Yeah, have- this I'm that. That's exactly what you said to me. That's just my pet peeve with a lot of open yeah. worlds. Yeah, so I'm, I'm playing this. I'm playing this like wow. Like Tim would hate this. Like this is everything you hate about open world games. Um, and then no, and leveling and crafting mean nothing. And like inventory means nothing. It's it's crazy. Like how it turned out like this. Like and how time. Like a, just a few weeks after the review started to drop. Like it's starting to like unravel that it's oh it's not just i have a lot of bugs and that's that's a problem in itself like holy crap this game got pulled from the playstation store what the actual fuck yeah I, but like they're just fundamental design problems as like, well it's yeah, not, i, I mean, wouldn't say it's, it's it's not all about the reviews but obviously the the reviews were the the big starting point for a lot of this conversation i mean I, we all recall that it was probably sitting on it was 92 93 mm. metacritic or something like that now i was checking earlier today because i was updating uh player two draft numbers and it's down to 86 on pc yeah now i'm sure some of that is you know the the conversation has kind of perforated the minds of some that are reviewing but also everything i've heard and you've you've backed it all up ken is that it's just not that solid a game when well, it comes to systems as well no like like it's 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 a good and this is where it gets frustrating it's a good enough game and i've been on the i've been thankfully on the lucky side my the my bugs have been minimal there have been bugs but they have been minimal yeah it's just overall the game is just like the characters are interesting but beyond the characters the world's not ambitious the the themes are not ambitious um it's just very sort of rote it's very rote and middle of the road and and it turns out the final fantasy 7 remake was clearly the best cyberpunk <laughs> game of 2020 yes yes <laughs> and it's just like we've been down this road before and we've been down this very same road multiple times over multiple games over the past two or three generations it just feels like Oh, and then my, my, my this this is quickly becoming my pet peeve. Like, um, oh, the other thing that, that as you're doing jobs, you get street cred, and street cred opens up more oh, jobs, no. right? I'm literally here. I've probably done about thirty percent of the main campaign. I'm at max street cred. 
I'm like, can you can well, you lose street cred? No. Like, can your actions? Oh, like there's nothing to do with street cred. All it does is just open more mission types. And now that I've opened up all the mission types, my my world map is just littered with like just dots. Like, is it just me? I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but the idea that they call it street cred as a mechanic is just giving me flashing me images of Steve Buscemi in music band t shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like street cred. Like it means nothing. It it means nothing. Like it's not like you can you can you can win it and lose it, and you're fighting for a faction. Or it does sound like it should at least be a meter that kind of wobbles around and like. Or not, it shouldn't just be one meter. It should be. It shouldn't be street credit. Like, you, like, you should have like relationships that go up and down with different people. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why I kind of asked like, can it go lower? Because no. I would have thought that certain actions would mean that you lose credit. You make one person you happy, don't. but you kind of piss another one off a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah, like I would say like even Saints Row does this better. Well, Saints Row is secretly a masterpiece. So, <laughs> so <laughs> at least the last couple of them were. Yeah. So that's that's what I meant. It's like it's got all these numbers. It's got all these numbers upon numbers upon numbers. But the numbers mean so little. Um, because there's always another set of better numbers somewhere. So like the numbers oh, mean nothing. Yeah, I hate this as well. This now you're making it sound like a loot game, which is another thing that I'm it is a little bit. It, <laughs> Except the numbers, are, like there's no loot. It's just the numbers. No, there is loot. There's literally oh, okay. there's literally like. White, green, blue, purple, orange loot. Nope, not a fan. <laughs> I mean, actually, that was in The Witcher as well, but like, it was. Tim, I think at this off. point that it's pretty clear that you should just not play Cyberpunk. I was legitimately looking forward to this because, like, The Witcher Three was one of the few open world games that actually did the open world that I found interesting. So it is super depressing to like. So I'm literally like, yeah, how did uh, we get to this point? How did they get here? That's that's the crazy one. I can't wait for these. There stories is going to, start to be emerging. half a decade from now. There's going to be like a crazy investigation, like when. It's Jason Try is going to have like, it's, when like people have like finally left the studio are going to like start talking and it's going to oh man it's going to be amazing. You, you you know how like with some games it's like oh this is great and or some games are like oh this is terrible and, but it's terrible and I love it or this is great and I love it. It's just this game is commits the worst crime. Huh? It's so it's just there. It's fine. Like it's fine. Like that's it. And, and that's completely unremarkable it's this, it's completely unremarkable Ugh. unless you have like the most powerful piece in the world in which case it apparently looks incredible but I mean it, uh, yeah, that still only carries you so far you know a lot it, of people talked about uh, Rise when that launched on the Xbox on the Xbox One uh, last and look, gen and how incredible that looked and the game itself was it pretty it looks good I mean I, I'm running fine. on a I'm running on an old processor oldish processor of you know like a 4780 4790 Four two, I can't remember. A little bit newer than me, but um, and and I've got a ten seventy um GTX. Like, so, but you're just shy of the um, you know, the ray tracing, which I think is the yeah, it's right thing that apparently it is a fantastic example of ray tracing. Unfortunately, it neat. I think that'll carry a lot of people who do have a high end PC through because it looks being good. the best looking game at the time when you're playing it at its time is probably look has a certain extra novelty it, it, to it. It looks good it, it, even on my computer, even on my PC, it looks good, but it's less like once you scratch past the surface it's just you're left with it's fine it's 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 just fine I'm increasingly glad I changed my Christmas wish list to Death Stranding which is like I think another divisive game but for very different reasons yeah I think it just just, it just doesn't have a lot of interesting things to say and it doesn't have a lot of interesting things to show something called cyberpunk should have something to say 
anyway, anyway. So I, I'm glad oh, I got that. That's off my exhausting chest. and depressing. Like I, yeah. I'm really um, because I've been sort of that's been sort of in my mind for a long time. I tweeted about it like recently, just like a chain of tweets. Um. But yeah, no, I just needed to get get it all out because it's just get it all out. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna like dig through my Steam keys, Ken. I'm just gonna send you something that's simple and fun. No, I've got. Um, I've got stuff, but you just no, play a mech a... game and he'll be fine. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, he well, has also played God knows how many hundred hours of Mech Warrior online. So yeah, that is possible. Anyway, Paul, you've been playing Phoenix Rising. Let's move this thing along. Yeah. So um, had it not been for the fact that uh, I wasn't at all digging Cyberpunk, then I would also have been talking about Cyberpunk. But thanks to the, uh, the, a lot of the things that Ken's spoken about and that it's a fairly ho-hum sort of experience, I shelved it for a while. And I, I think uh, I'm playing on console, so maybe come Feb, I might pop it into my nice. PS5 I'm, I'm going to give you like April, June or something yeah. before that yeah, thing's good playable. <laughs> Look, they're, they're saying January, Feb, but yeah, you, you're right. It could be could be March, uh, March, April before it's really run. Now, I was playing on a PS5, so I didn't have a lot of performance issues that a lot of people were having, but... Um, Still, a lot of, lot of issues with that game on the consoles. So I shelved it for a while, and I turned to... I, I built a little list of games to play, and atop of that list was uh, Ubisoft's Immortals Phoenix Rising. I love this game. It's, it's amazing. It looks really charming, actually. Yeah. Like, it is fairly paid by numbers in a lot of different ways like they've, they've stolen a lot of aspects from say Breath of the Wild for example yeah, it clearly uh, wants to be Breath of the Wild but yeah. I'm surprised it's taken this long there's kind of a Breath of the Wild cross and I don't mean this in the disparaging sense Breath of the Wild cross kind of Fortnite-y aesthetic in some respects in terms of some mm. of the characters they're, they're not yeah. quite painterly but there's still that there's this weird in between both those two styles um, in terms of the aesthetical approach um, mechanically it's a Ubisoft game. You know, there's a big open <laughs> world. Things kind of pop up on it. Probably not as uh, heavy as Ken's Cyberpunk map. How many icons does it actually have, come to think of it? If it, is, if it is really cribbing Breath of the Wild, do you have to, like, work to discover stuff, or are they still just kind of vomiting no, some quests all um, over the map? No, you still, you'll still go out and discover things yourself. So they're not just... They're not filling the map up with things to do. You, uh, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, and again, this is kind of Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed sort of style. You'll find some high points within the kind of five to... Uh, sorry, six regions that make up the, the world map. There's basically like a high point in each of them. And you, you, can, you can do this from anywhere, but your best thing to do is to climb up to this high point. Um, there's usually some narrative reason that steers you to that point anyway. But once you get there, uh, hold the, the right trigger down if you're playing on a console. Sorry, not the right trigger, the right stick down. And it basically just then is your opportunity to just pan around the world and the the controller will vibrate as you're hovering over some potential point of interest and boom, you unlock that. And boom, you unlock that. So you can create the, the completely soaked map that we come to expect from a lot of Ubisoft games and you know even Cyberpunk, as we've discussed. You can create that if you get to those high points and then just take... 10 15 minutes as Stephen actually described when he was talking to me about his time with the game because he reviewed it for player two he took like 10 15 minutes and would have every single point identified on that map and then would just go for it afterwards and whether he whether he explored all of those i don't know but they're all there and everything was clear and pointed out to him whether it's a, a vault of tartarus or whether you, there's some little odysseus style um some different great challenges and those sort of things you need to do or or whatever the case happened to be, just some collectibles, they're all there for you, which 
for someone like myself, I don't mind having that sort of stuff there. And I don't feel compelled to then tick off every single item on a map unless I'm really digging the experience, which in the case of Immortals, I did. I actually went and chased down the Platinum for this game. So um, I've Damn. I've done everything, oh, pretty much everything to do uh, in the game. I have Thank- one Platinum trophy in all of my PlayStation games. What is it? And that's for Tales of the Borderlands. That's... Yeah, okay. Do you know how I got that? You played the game. I finished the game. That's it. That's all you had to do was finish I, the game. I do love a good Telltale Platinum. But, um, I mean, I've got a few more than that, but we don't need to start delving into my Platinum chasing habits. Otherwise, we'll start talking about my name is Mayo, and that's a that's a period of my life I don't need to discuss any further. Sure. Um, sure. So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic, very charming as you mentioned. The, uh, aesthetically stunning, um, looks gorgeous on the, the the new the new consoles. And then mechanically, the in terms of the systems, it is kind of tried and true Ubisoft in a lot of ways. But they've pulled on a little bit of Breath of the Wild, so there's there's the stamina component that, that features. Um, the combat does kind of lift itself a fair bit from Assassin's Creed. They've just pulled on all the right strings and combined into a really cohesive whole. I really love the time and my time with the game. No, it it is something that I almost almost kind of bought over Christmas. Yeah, and a lot of people like, have been concerned. They go, "Oh, well, it's a Ubisoft game. It's kind of modelled on Assassin's Creed. So, okay, you probably expect me to put fifty, sixty hours into this thing to see through the main campaign." No, I I've got the platinum in fifty hours. the The main campaign itself is about twenty ish. And could probably be done sooner if you don't go off and explore other bits and pieces as well. So um, it's a it's a tighter experience than what you've come to expect from recent Ubisoft games, which I really appreciate as well. Actually, yeah, the tightness sounds good. I think part of the issue for me is like I'd probably be buying a PC, and I do not want to have to deal with a lot of the bullshit that Ubisoft throws oh, at you. Oh yeah, through through their PC setup. Yeah, like you have to not also idea. run the. Uh, maybe, maybe it's changed. Maybe they did good things, and I've just been too put off in the past, but. Man, like having to lo- log into multiple things just to play a game is when there are other options. It's, it's, out there. F- it's. I mean, if if that's what you're worried about, it's fairly seamless nowadays. Oh, good. Like it's it's still it will still boot up. Um, UB, you connect. UB connect now. UB yeah. connect, whatever it is. Yeah, but um, it's fairly that's the seamless. New one, yeah, yeah. I think my last one was like Black Flag. So it's been, it's been a while. It's been a while, but. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it. It is built on that DNA that we've come to expect from a Ubisoft game recently. But then they've pulled on the right threads mm. external to the Ubisoft kind of model, and yeah, really made a fantastic whole. I love the. Um, I don't know how much of the kind of pre-release marketing you even saw. Kind of narratively, they set up this unreliable narrator thing, times two. Um, you've got huh. uh, Zeus and uh, Prometheus that they're kind of telling the story but they're back and forth and arguing about things. And so it's not like there's one good and one bad and, you know, one, one person's constantly correcting the other who's making the mistake. They're both taking liberties from time to time and they're both calling each other out, hmm. which is really entertaining in the sense that you just don't know who's telling the truth, like who's telling the truth, what sort of little... And it doesn't factor into any decisions you have to make, but just in terms of how the story plays out at you know, I like a good narrator in a video game actually yeah. like, it was really cool in Bastion even like Prince of Persia Sands of Time where it kind of used that as a gimmick to like go, wait that's not what happened I didn't die go back there yeah and um, like the humour I've seen I've seen some corners people not really click with it at all in others I've heard it described even as much as hilarious I wouldn't go that far but I, I it was 
there was certainly no moment where I felt like they were just constantly falling flat. Like there was just a, a small wry smile on the face uh, through the bulk of the storytelling. I could go for something that's just kind of cheeky and fun right now, I yeah. think, actually. Yeah, it's, it's very light and accessible in that respect, so it might be a good choice for you. Maybe it's and just right, my holidays right coming to an end. quite cheap. I, I mean, I, I, a lot of stuff is going it. quite cheap. I mean, I'm playing Death Stranding, but not deeply enough, so I'm not going to be diving into that today, although I will yeah, have yeah. some things to say down the line. Of well, that's what being able on to my list to actually play <clears> this break. Really, I've had it since it came out, and I still haven't played it. I've been able to really sit back and actually get some Switch gaming in over the last week or so. It, it like not having a PlayStation, like a relevant current PlayStation, really helps yeah. you like play the other consoles. Um, so I kind of play through all of um, Hob on Switch. Probably not the best platform to play that on unless you want the portability, which I did. But a delightful game. I just want to throw that out there. The Hob is really, really good. I've heard a lot of good things about Hob. It's it's kind of exactly what I imagined video games would have been like back in the 16-bit <laughs> era when moving to. Um, that's that's a good moving on to th- that's a that's a solid like endorsement yeah I'm just gonna like, leave it at that it's kind of when 3D was just starting to happen this is what I thought video games would be um, but what I'm playing at the moment and it's kind of fascinating and it like is like drawn out this memory from like when I was very 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 first decided that I wanted to be um, interested in video games back when I was like 7 or 8 years old so at the moment I've been playing quite a lot I don't know how much yet exactly because the Switch takes a week before it will tell you how many hours you've put into a game. Um, yeah, there's a bit of delay, isn't there? It's, it's, it goes, it's like, play, it started to play, first played yesterday, first played two days ago, first played three days ago, and then after about a week it will say you have played for about X number of hours. It just but, has that um, uh, Simpsons style, the one where uh, Homer's like slow with all the jokes and something was said. And it takes like a week to process before it goes, oh yeah, you played, the, you played for a few hours. Just, just like my segue to this game. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been playing quite a bit of Blaster Master Zero 2. Oh yeah, okay. Um, this like goes back because I have I brought back these memories of I think it was either a Big W or a Target catalog and I like had a Nintendo Entertainment System and I had two games there. And one of them was Blaster Master. And I remember looking at that friggin' piece of junk mail and deciding that video games looked interesting. And for the longest time, I imagined myself buying a Nintendo and this thing called Blaster Master that I knew nothing about. And then some kid who, in my art class, who claimed his uncle worked at Sega, as everybody has an uncle who worked at one of the two main companies at the time in the early 90s. Would... I'm sure I so, still yeah, have a I don't know, long-lost uncle or auntie that probably works at Nintendo, I'm sure. Yep. Now. So... I know that like got me looking at other things. I ended up going with the Sega Master System, so I'm I'm going going back to what could have been like my first foray into video games. This kind of quasi sequel. So it turns out Blaster Master was actually really interesting. It I've, like it's because of this weird memory. Like every time it, it comes up, very occasionally, like when you're like discussing these old kind of NES classics, it's clearly not there with like Zelda or Mario or whatever. Mm. But that and Euphoria, that's this other weird game that I have a memory of from that and the whole and this is made pretty much almost directly as if it was a NES game except the colours are like way brighter this time around and I get the feeling the aesthetic is kind of what they wish they could have done the first time because it looks 80s as fuck like you're talking like friggin' bright ass bright ass pinks and like neon greens used within a clearly very pixely limited um, colour palette but the key conceit of the first game because you get like this backstory for why you're going on another adventure is that you're some whiz science kid or whatever and then you have this weird frog that 
jumps through a teleport through space and time or something, and then you like follow the frog. It's Battletoads. If it's not a frog, it looks a lot like a frog. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. And then there's like, like some special tank that like just happens to perfectly suit you there, and like you got some like AI, not really AI, may actually be an alien like buddy, and they go on an adventure together and they come back. Um, and I believe from memory, I watched the intro once. The conceit for the second one is now that your companion friend, not the frog, the more humanoid. He's starting to feel ill and you need to go on an adventure through all of space to try and find her a cure. I, seem, I think is a justification for what I'm doing right now. So Come to Earth sorry. in 2020, 2021. You've, we've got the vaccine for you right here. Damn, we've just got to fly around half the galaxy, bring it back. Yeah. But no, the game... So the story is actually kind of awesome in that like, they, they're, just cl- they're clearly just like, you know what, fuck it. Here's some weird shit gives you enough of a reason to do it and it's kind of charming because of that but the mechanics of this game like the thing that this was like it was originally a NES game is actually kind of crazy so the bulk of it you're kind of driving around it's like a 2d side scrolling not quite a metroidvania and you're like in a tank and you have a growing array of different weapons and like sub abilities but you can also jump out of the tank so sometimes there'll like be a small gap, so your little guy, you go out and then you're like playing as this little tiny dude, and sometimes there'll be like little levels side scrolling where you're the fragile human. And then there are like specific doors that, again, the tank you cannot get through, but you, the pilot, can, and they change to like an over the top kind of what we would describe now as a twin stick shooter, except even though they're made at modern times, they're still treating it like there is no such thing as a twin stick, so you have to really like hold down the shoulder button and like shoot on the angle. Oh, right, okay. So it is actually crazy varied in a way that like, I don't think I would have anticipated that a game designed for an 8-bit console would would have been. Like, it, it seems like way ahead of its time in terms of at least what it was trying to do. Like, I don't... I haven't ever played the NES original. I haven't played... I think they re-released the original on the Switch as well. Yes. Actually, I, yeah, I'm yeah. struggling yeah, I to right. see... I'm struggling to think of how they would have pulled this off with just two buttons. I'm Back guessing the the start, start and select would have been... I think you would have been pulling up menus a lot to change to change your main weapon and, like, a sub-weapon because there's a lot of strategy that starts to get pulled around those. Something that has to be new is, is like, now, like, a special timing thing when you're playing the top down as a human. And it's kind of... I guess it's the equivalent of, like, the bayonet at which time where, like, a target will, like, appear and you can, like, press a button at a time and you, like, kind of spin around and, like, just shoot them perfectly. And you're going to need that a lot of the time because you get, kind of get swarmed and then you can hold down and stay focused on that friggin' thing after a while it's I don't it's kind of mechanically crazy although at the moment where I'm getting at it's getting pretty friggin that difficulty curve is starting to really ramp up I've entered a new world where if you touch a certain surface you immediately die no matter how much health you've saved up which is not my favourite oh the floor is lava I like it more that aesthetically it's kind of cool like you get to the planet and it's like just cut in half and there's like this giant pink laser going through it and that pink laser is like wiggled through the entire level oh right which has like so it's like if you jump out of something a little bit too high and hit it then you immediately die so I'm kind of hoping this is like a one-off thing because that's the sort of thing where it could very easily turn into bullshit yeah but so far it's like every time I've thought something is kind of off if I've stopped and rethought how I've approached it it turns out this is actually just a lot to this game and maybe they could have done a slightly better job tutorializing it because you get a lot of weapons and a lot of abilities and you do, and it doesn't it kind of just lets you figure it out like it has no interest in saying hey you there's no Navi in this it's just 
go. And before we go to break, one mechanic which I find super fascinating and I would love to know if it was in the original is so you have effectively a health bar and then an energy bar for your tank and that energy bar affects your ability to like hover around or like your secondary fire mode or whatever. But the primary means with which you refill it is by falling a great distance and just slamming into the ground. And I just love the notion that they've taken the idea of fall damage and they've inverted it. <laughs> so now you want... So now it's kind of a bummer if you land in water. You want to hit the like ground. You want to fall as far hard. as possible and just go slam, like just refill all of that secondary fire mechanic. Uh, it's, it's like wild and different and crazy and I would love to see... I would love to know where my own video game interests would have gone if that had been like an early influence on me. It's, it's a crazy game. Um, I'm guessing it's probably not in sale anymore, but it's definitely worth the $10 or so that I paid for it. And if it shows up for that price again, I would heartily say um, give it a go. I think I think it's a demo as well. Well, it's available on I, Steam, it, the game. Uh, it probably would be, actually, yeah. Yeah, Blaster Masters... It, I, I, whilst you were Blaster talking... Blaster Zero... Yeah. two so the first one I would assume would also be available oh I didn't look for the first one but, um, but I mean it, it is one of those clearly a perfect switch games because it's not pushing very much technically hmm. um, it I, looks, I mean I'm, it, I'm looking at here on the PlayStation store it's going for wow it's going for $7.50 oh, to be fair they're both like 500 yen in Japan on the same yeah they're definitely worth 500 yen which is what like 6 bucks something 6 bucks and change yeah, they're both both games go on seven dollars fifty at the moment. So, I would say that they are worth that. I would definitely say that. Oh, the first one I don't know, but I'm going to assume the first one is worth that. But the second one still stands on its own. Well, it's an indie creates title, isn't it? Oh fuck, I can't remember. It says uh, yeah. yes, it is. Yeah, yes, indie it is. Creates. Like they're they're a great studio with great pedigree. Yeah, it's 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 an awesome game. It's like super weird, super unique. I I definitely definitely say this is worth a few dollars. And with that, we are going to, um... And I'm going to find some music that's slightly less annoying than I think what is in this game, though. We're going to take a one-minute break. And when we come back, decide what we want to do with our gaming time over the course of the coming year. We're back. We're fresh. We're still traumatized by Cyberpunk, but it does not matter. We're going to power through. We're going to say what we're going to do for games this year, and we're going to make our first resolution to like wrap this podcast up nice and tight before it runs to freaking Titanic lengths. <laughs> Paul, you you just took responsibility for how long we went before, even though I'm pretty sure it was Ken's Cyberpunk trauma that made us go so long. What what is your big goal for this year? Um, 
in the very important field of playing video games. Yeah, but it's actually to play more games that aren't directly linked to reviews or, or content of some sort. Um, we spoke at the beginning of the show about how you'll see me feature on DevDo, you'll see me feature on Patched, and there's Player 2 plays on the YouTube channel, there's reviews on the website, I'm one of the editorial team at Player 2. There's always stuff that I'm doing strictly for content. Um, and very rarely am I playing a game just because I want to. Mm. So this year, I'm, I am I got a bit of a taste for it actually last year when I just decided, hey, I've never played a Devil May Cry game before. Yeah, no, shoot me. Um, but I'd never played a Devil May Cry game before. I'm going to I'm gonna take them for a spin and give them a crack. And so this time last year, roughly, that's exactly what I did. And I played the first two games. I loved it. And then, then something came along for review and I dropped them like a hat and didn't, didn't come back as much as I was loving them. And I know that Devil May Cry 3 is the one that a lot of people rave about. So I'm keen to get back to that. But... Um, I just want to suggest I Journey more was that. the best game just... of a previous generation. It's like two hours long. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, obviously, Journey is brilliant. But um, there's just there's a lot of titles I haven't played, and we spoke about in the last segment there, Death Stranding. Like, that's a game that at the, I was keen to play at the time, um, but I was going to be about to be launching into coverage for Jedi Fallen Order. And yeah. they were releasing pretty close and I, I looked at Death Stranding and I you know saw the reviews that were starting to roll out for that and I thought well I'm not going to get this thing done before <laughs> I have to start on Jedi for content purposes it's not so only is I'll Death Stranding I'll say this not only is Death Stranding I, I actually don't know how big it is I kind of read some reviews and got very intrigued by how polarizing it was but not only is it do I expect quite long, but it's also not a game you can rush through. I have a feeling you'd make it a much yeah. harder time for yourself. Yeah, so it's it's one in that particular case here. You want to sit and immerse yourself in the whole thing. And there's just a lot of other games that I just, I really want to, like I said, I, I want to actually continue with the Devil May Cry thing that I started last year. I've built a little list of titles that I want to, I want to chip away at this year. Will I get through every single one? Who knows? But this year... At least as things stand, and who knows, things things might change. Um, there's press conferences and events and Nintendo Directs and all those sorts of things that'll pop up Let's over Don't forget that you were months. holding a baby before we started this show. Well, she was strapped to me, so it's a, it's a nice luxury at the moment. To, to uh, I, We spoke about Immortals. All of those 50 hours I spent platinuming that game were with her strapped to my front. So um, we're being resourceful at this point while she's still... So this is a very, number very one young. parenting hot tip is buy a strap to your... So you can just keep the yeah, baby one of those little on baby torso. Bjorn strap. Oh, I'm not going to say strap on. That's that's a horrible way to wear it. But one of those, like, little, those little vests. Um, I actually, my mind would not have gone there had you not pointed <laughs> yeah, out. I was I've saying. made the mistake too many times and I've been laughed at by my wife. Uh, you know, went, no, we don't need to say anymore. Um, but oh, so I very, very quickly learned to not use that phrase when I'm describing this thing, but like a harness. Um, and the bulk of those 50 hours, she was just attached to my chest and I was either standing up bouncing around while still playing Immortals or whatever like I got opportunity to smash out some games but ignoring that ignoring that part of it it does seem like 2021 is a quieter year at least as things currently stand and that's you know pending who knows what with yeah, Nintendo Directs and other press conferences that will emerge as the year plays out I mean, so I want to Nintendo away could, games Nintendo has a lot of its arsenal depending on how it feels yeah I wonder if they held back a bit this year. It's like there's a pandemic anyway, and Animal, and Animal Crossing is doing such numbers that we do not. We have Metroid Prime is ready, and we just don't need to release it. That literally could have been a thing. I mean, I don't think that's the case because that game's still no, probably it's another probably 12 in development hell months at least. But, but 
But I, I do see your point, though, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Breath of the Wild 2 is probably this year. and Bayonetta like 3 has to come out eventually. Not, not to mention it's an anniversary year for Zelda, so they could do more with that as well. Um, and there's just a whole bunch of other, ga- like other games as well. Ratchet's going to pop up, Horizon I'm super keen on. Um, there's going to be games for the Xbox like Halo and those. There's games there, but I think the sheer weight of numbers this year is less than usual. Um, and so I'm that looking normally to... happens in the first year of a generation. Yeah. Well, I think about 2014 as being the yep. the parallel to uh, from last gen, and 2014 is widely considered the worst and weakest year of the the generation. Still, some great titles along the way, but it was a weaker year and quite a year. So I'm I'm keen to really take advantage of that this year and knock out some things that have been just lingering around the 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 back corridors of my mind and just go look. I've, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Let's give it a go. Um, to play things that I've wanted to play and they've just been in the pile of shame for a long time, like Death Stranding. There's just there's games. And sorry, I say long time and it's twelve months, but that's a long. <laughs> so that game's not that old, but it, it's been bothering me for twelve months. So um, I want like, to I want to have a crack at that. And there's, I've just been gradually just building a little list, and I'll I'll eat away it as much as I can over the course of the year. So that that's kind of the thing. I'll still be knocking out reviews and I'll still be doing yeah. player two plays. Maybe I'm midway through a game. I go, look, I may as well record a video for it and get it on the channel as well. But I'll be playing it for myself and that's kind of one thing that I really want to do yeah, more of this year. For the sake of what I think you want to get out of that goal, because I, I heard you say there something along the lines of trying to knock out as much as you can. Um, just remember that like the, the thing that... J- I figured this out very early when I started doing some games journalism work. Is the thing that the the line between work and recreation is being able to very say, blurry. "I don't feel like doing this right now. I'm going to stop." Yeah. No, no. I mean, that's that's thankfully uh, thankfully a thing I've been able to do pretty well over, especially when especially due to the needs of the family. And like, okay, well, I don't need to do this, so let's let's pull the pin on this. But um, I mean, there's just there's this list of games that I've just been constantly tempted to come back to, and this year looks as though it might give me that opportunity to do it. So yeah, just choose it as going. opposed to trying to do them all. Oh yeah. yeah, there's a list. If I get through all of it, great. If I don't, which is the most likely scenario, no big deal. Yeah. There'll be another year like this somewhere down the line. That's real interesting that you say that because, like, <clears throat> one of the things when I when I joined the uh, Player Two team, one of the things I made a, a conscious decision was actually not to do any more reviews. Um, yeah. Like I do not enjoy the review process. Like, like I don't like playing games trying to find something to say about it because I have to say something about it for the purposes of the review. Like I want to be able to just play it on my own terms, at my own pace, and whatever enjoyment I get out of it is mine and mine alone. Like yeah, having to do a game for a review means that you're trying to consume it not just for yourself. You're trying to consume it for someone. Like you're trying to consume it for the purposes of an audience, and that puts a very different spin on the way that you approach the game, you, the way that you enjoy the game, the way that you process it, the way that you yeah, the way that you sit in front of it and do it is just fundamentally different. Um, I mean, look, not ev- not everything is for the for the sake of review. So, um, no. you know, sometimes it might be for a podcast or for player two players or whatever the case happens to be. Even as 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 we speak, you know, I spoke about playing Immortals in the last segment. I also played uh, Gears 5's Hive Busters DLC, the expansion for, yeah. for Gears of War 5, and and The Pathless as well over the break. Oh, yeah. And I loved both of those games, had a, had a great time with them. And I know that there's no review 
of any sort for either game on the Player 2 website. And despite the fact that I played him for fun, there's this constant little scratching in the back of my mind that's like, well, you should maybe write something about it. Yeah, but th- that's kind of my, my yeah, but that's kind of also my point. Like, and that's that that kind of leads to your point. Yeah, and I like, so like I understand your point entirely, and I'm kind of the opposite, which like I can feel that thing, and I and I keep embracing it. Yeah, no, and and I made it a very yeah. That's why when I started doing stuff for Player Two, it's like I'll play, I'll do videos because I'll just play them, but I'll do games that I happen to be playing at that particular time. Like yeah, like. Oh, I'm playing this. Might as well just make a video of it because I happen to be playing it. And yeah, you shoot me a message. Hey, is there anything up on the channel for this or going to be? I yeah, say no. And you like, go for your life. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> who's playing this random game? Like nobody, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, well, it's just another sure. MechWarrior game. We, we left it for you, okay? <laughs> but um, yeah. But it's just it, it is it is important. I think ultimately to just carve out that space for yourself yeah so right now like the the uh, <laughs> oh, this is being far too dramatic here but one of the the most challenging things in my mind today was like fighting myself from coming to this pc where we sit right now and not punching out a review for one of those two games <laughs> that, i had a very easy day it's school holidays at the moment but um take like, the downtime while you can have a do take the yeah. freaking downtime so it's, it's been just constantly fighting that urge especially now that player two as of the day we record has just gotten up yeah, and running we're going to be going live a considerable bit later and on that note maybe I should like we should all backpedal on those prices we said for Blaster Master because I'm pretty sure those sales are going to be done could be done by then yeah even then it's still but, like yeah. 14 bucks yeah it's still pretty cheap it's still pretty cheap so yeah that's, that's kind of my main one for the um, I am also a JRPG guy from way 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 back and it's a genre that I've been trying and with with our other show Patched, um, we we have, as I mentioned before, we have a similar thing, New Year's resolutions and those sorts of things, or gaming resolutions. And I've kind of tried to bake a JRPG-related sort of goal in there to make sure that I'm constantly giving that genre some time. Um, because it has waned a little bit over the, especially over that PS3 360 generation, there was kind of a, a lack of really high-quality ones. Maybe as best evidenced by Final Fantasy Thirteen, for example. Um, the less said about that, the better. But uh, there was a comparative lack of those sort of titles, and I've been just trying in recent years to re-ingratiate myself with the franchise, to just dip my toes in to try some other ones. So the last few years I've been... you know, Last year's goal was simply to play and complete four JRPGs, which I did. That's a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was. One per quarter, though. Uh, one of them was Final Fantasy VII remakes, so that was like oh, that was like always going to happen. Another st- happened to be Xenoblade because I played and reviewed it for the site. But that's really long. That's really long. Games are really long. <laughs> yeah, but there was a there was a few like that, like say Xenoblade, for example, which I also did re- review. So the the constraints, like the time constraints, also forced my hand to smash that out a bit quicker. But it also knocked out everything else around it for a while. So. Um, anyway, I managed to tick that off. This year, I'm not going to go with kind of four goals in that regard, but uh, Final Fantasy IX, I've been very clear about, and Matt Houston tries to take the piss out of it every now and then. Final Fantasy IX is my favorite game, full stop. Um, and we spoke about Platinum Trophies before, and my goal this year is to get the Platinum Trophy for Final Fantasy IX. So, well, at least I'll be you doing know that. you like the game. <laughs> yes, I know I like the game. And actually, last night, I, I knocked over the biggest hurdle to that. Um... Team, you've played Final Fantasy IX before? 
I have many years ago. I played it backwards compatible on a PlayStation 2. Very nice. Ken, did you ever play it at all? No. I asked you about it ages ago because it was on Xbox Game Pass, but I... Oh, yeah, right. I downloaded it, but I never played it. Um, There's the... So, Tim, you might remember then. There's the skipping thing. There's, like, the jump rope sequence there. Like, it's not core to the main narrative, but it's a little side thing you can do there. Not super specifically... Did I mention I played it backwards compatible on a PS2? We are talking back yeah, when so it's, it's, it's people long, were still using PS2s ago. for backward compatibility. There was a anyway. There was a skipping slash jump rope um, sequence there, basically at the very beginning of the game, where in in the case of the PS4 version, since it's you know got trophies, there's a, a trophy map to successfully skipping a thousand times consecutively. So that's requiring you to press oh, X. God, that sounds like hell. Last night, after twenty years, I did it. So that is the biggest hurdle to that Platinum that I managed to finally just, you know, okay, I'm going to have a crack at this thing. Got it within 40 minutes last night. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Sorry, 40 minutes well just sounds like... Oh, that does after not sound fun, years, man. After 20 years, 40 minutes is nothing, my friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I managed to get that trophy in. So now the Platinum is on the table um, and I'll be getting it this year. All right, cool. Um my goal is a bit less torturous. Damn, you did actually get another beer. Good Mine is actually simply to, like, just hold off a next generation for a bit. Okay. Like, to not immediately buy a PS5 or Series X a second they start to become readily available. Rationale? I realized I need to save a little bit of money. Um, I did recently upgrade... And from where I was coming from, I upgrade my PC graphics card to a 970, which kind of brings my PC back in line with, like, a PS4 Pro. Oh, okay. Roughly anyway, so I think it will actually be able to, like, drive me through most of this year. I've actually been enjoying using my Switch a lot more since there's no other console plugged into the main TV most of the time. But no, I... It's like, you know what? Let's see if I could, like, I... Because I, I'm now at that, that, that age and that like comfortable, not exactly rich, but that comfortable enough level of income where if I want a new console and it's there, I could buy it. There's enough of a disposable income there. Yeah, which I think most is the state that I think most of it, most of us are in. It's like you know what? I really, really hate how the PS5 looks. I still like. I'm still angry at how obnoxious that thing is. The hard drive is too small, and see if I can actually wait out long enough until at least one of those two issues, like there's a revision like, gets, of some sort, gets ironed out. And then, you know, I'm not going to buy a PS5 game just because it's a PS5 game and I need a shiny new PS5 game to show it off with. To be fair, for the most part, they haven't, and this is the same for Xbox as well, they haven't really given people that many compelling reasons. Like, Demon's Souls is exclusive, but ultimately you can play it on the PS3 if you wish. Um, Ratchet is going to be the first exclusive PS5 game. Horizon Forbidden West is going to be really on both play PS4. Astro, annoyingly. Oh yeah, sorry, good point. I Astros do really want to play Astro. But I mean, there is a big difference between PS3. I'd say it's probably almost a different game. Like that frame rate, aside from the visual flourish, would probably make a big difference to the playability of... Um, yeah, probably. Demon Souls. And I think it's not actually my goal, but I think this may also help me like just really find a couple of things in the Steam backlog um, that I really want to play. And, like, give those a go if I can actually find the time for it. But I want to get through up to or past my birthday at the very least without actually buying a new console. Yeah, okay. My birthday being in August, meaning that by then you would hope that both those machines are somewhat readily available. 
if they're not, what the hell is going on at Sony and Microsoft? Well, no, because I mean, they've actually made plenty. It turns like they sold more PS5s than they did PS4s, and the PS4 yeah. sold very well at launch. Oh, it was the like, best-selling I, launch ever. Yeah, so I, I, I just think that pandemic has locked, locked a lot of people in houses, and those who could afford to be locked in their houses would have once have been able to afford to go on holiday, which they can now longer go on. Yeah, and it's probably in sense that spent the money on the soundbars and TVs and consoles. Um, Ken, well, before I go into mine, I was also going to add, like, just building on top of yours, like, chances. I, I thought about I'll probably skip this console generation just wholesale. Um, All right, man, you do you. I mean, again, like we've reached a point in like game releases where, like, there are. Other than exclusives, pretty much everything is available on everything. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Death Stranding a couple of times. I'm playing it on PC yeah, right now. And right. on a five-year-old graphics card, it's running. Yeah, and that, it seems... Not PS4 like, superior, but it's running fine. Yeah, it seems like everything is now, like, PlayStation exclusive and PC. Like, Xbox exclusive and PC. So, <laughs> um... Yeah, it is this interesting state that things are in at the moment. Yeah, and if you're sort of, like, in... PC in, uh, on the PC is your sort of your lead uh, lead platform. You're kind of in the in the DMZ where you kind of get a bit of everything. Uh, the little sort of neutral Switzerland ground in between. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't get any Switch, but and and I'm still pretty mad that Vanilla where Vanilla Soft don't have any of their things on PC. Um, I want Aegis Rim. really nothing like nothing. I want Aegis Rim. Wow. I want Dragon's... That would be so easy as well. Yeah, I want Dragon's Crown. Um, I want Odin's Sphere on PC. Like, give me all... And those games would light it up on the Steam charts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're not. None of their stuff. Like, anyway. But you're just building on top of your sort of um, uh, resolution of holding off. I'll probably, if, if I can, like, probably just give this console generation of this. I, I did just recently upgrade to a 1070 um, card, so that will see me through at least until end of next year. Well, you, Yeah, you said you've, you've got a Switch, don't you? Yeah, I do. Have, I've got a Switch and I've got a PC. Yeah, yeah, so the question ultimately becomes, you know, assuming you know in this particular scenario for a lot of people, um, a lot of people have a Switch, uh, so then the question becomes, do PlayStation exclusives really speak to you? Yay or nay? Yeah. And if the answer's nay, well then you're pretty much good because if Xbox games do... Yeah. You got Game Pass for PC. That's right. That's pretty. So, and everything else, as you said before, comes to PlayStation and PC anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, say, Deathloop, for example, in a few months, and that's obviously a weird, murky one because they'll soon be uh, owned by Bethesda. Bethesda, yeah. Well, uh, sorry, by Microsoft, Microsoft, I should say. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'll it's, probably... it's a strange sort of situation. It is. Um, but my own sort of resolution, I think, is is a bit of an odd one, and. I want to play more games coming out from developers in other parts of Asia. Oh, yeah, okay. It's a pretty specific one there, but but I had a few games that I've been sort of keeping my eye on that I never sort of really dipped my toe in and um, sort of keeping an eye on but haven't really pulled trigger because, well, for no good reason. And that's probably something I want to change, and that's something I want to change in 2021. So things like sure. a space for the unbound that's from an Indonesia Indonesian developer, uh, Raji, uh, which is a oh yeah action RPG from developers in India. 
Um, yeah, and apparently excellent. Too. And apparently really good. And it's it, it tells the story of a huge part of the world which which has thousands and being hugely ignored. It's hugely ignored. Like these are places and stories. Yeah. So like um, Raji looks good. Um, tells an interesting story, draws upon myths that are thousands and thousands of years old, made by developers in India. Um, looks looks phenomenal, looks interesting, well-regarded. Um, Space for the Unbound is um, sort of like a side-scrolling adventure game, little sci-fi sort of horror feel, not, not horror, but like paranormal-esque feel to it, but it's like being a it's about it's about like being a school kid in the 80s in indonesia so like stories from from these places um what else paranormal hong kong um from a hong kong developer uh but it's about the kowloon world city it's about ghost stories in the kowloon world city which you would have seen in you know countless hong kong movies of that era like late 70s early 80s um a couple others I stumbled on Vigil from a Taiwanese um, developer and and um, just like yeah just developers coming out from all these parts of the world that we don't often underrepresented. talk about underrepresented and we don't often talk about and we don't often sort of turn our eye towards because it's everything it's either like um, northern northwest Europe uh, US or Japan like our eye is so often just drawn to those those places um, that there's so much other things, so many other things coming out of so many other parts of the world, and and I think this year I want to turn my eye towards those a little well, bit more. The, pr- the proof of your point is in Raji, yeah. which you know came out last year, and I for one, like I, I, the other games you mentioned. I'm not familiar with them, and they're probably excellent or looking to be excellent. Yeah. Um, Raji, the only reason I know about that is because Nintendo gave it a chance in in a Nintendo yeah. Direct, yeah. and all of a sudden it was on my radar. It's like, wow, it that fantastic. looks really cool. Yeah. yeah, and there's surely to your point, and I think what's you know you try to it underpins your whole argument here is that there's probably dozens at least more of these really excellent looking games coming from these other regions of the world that we just don't. They, as you said, they're not getting right. the spotlight that they deserve. Mm. And they're just, that's all they need. Yeah. Just so I personally, yeah, like, just, I'd love to, like, as you're going through this process, I'd love for you to send through some of you these could, games. You could turn an end of your feature out of this, Ken. You could actually turn this into something super fascinating. Yeah. Or even, or even a like rolling. Like, just, just a, like a recommendations list at the end of the year or something based on random shit that you played. Yeah. You should look, I mean, honestly, of all, of all that I rattle off, y'all should take a look at Paranormal Hong Kong. Honestly. Is it out already or is this still uh, on the way? I think it's out. Yeah. Paranormal Hong Kong. You should take a look at it because if you look, it's like if you're thinking about like Paranormal HK um, and and if you look into that piece of that, 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 that imagery, like it's Asian horror. So if you like Asian horror, like... Oh, there's no space between paranormal and HK. Yeah, it's right. Paranormal HK. That's oh, a random space. thing to point out. Like, look at look at the imagery. Like, that speaks to me. But um, and then if you've got time, like, look up Kowloon Walled City. Like for real. Like it's a real. It well, it's torn down now, but it used to be a real um place in Hong Kong. 
Hmm. And it's just ridiculous. It's like the most ridiculous place. Oh, it's nuts. So yeah, so that's that's really it. It's just giving a little bit more visibility to 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 games coming up from um from from parts of the world that we normally wouldn't turn an eye our, our eye toward. Like I remember, like it's 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 a thing that's been sitting in the back of my mind for a long time. Like yeah, underrepresentation, visibility, stories. There's just so many stories of people, um, and developers, um, um, from all corners. And uh, you know, this, this suddenly I'm suddenly reminded of of a I can't remember the game now. Dang it! But a couple of years ago, um, at PAX, there was a game that came from um, North American indigenous tribes, and they. Oh. Uh, does it sound familiar? If you expand on it, it might, it might click if you expand on it. Uh, uh, it the, the tribe, the Native American tribe, were trying to pass on some of their stories and some because there are oral history, oral history. And these developers sort of just took that story, listened to it, and just sort of reinterpreted those stories into a game. And it's about a wolf, I think. There's ad- there like totems involved in it. But it was a collaboration between a developer and this particular Native American tribe. And yeah, it was just these developers retelling this oral history. Um, yeah, it's not it's not clicking with me, but the game is like right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I can last see year tried mind. a game called Malacca and I don't think that's it. That was a little bit disappointing, but yeah. this random stab in the dark of, hey, this looks like it's dealing it with something I one. don't know very much about. And it's the problem with like taking gambles on the Switch, like, there were almost 2,000 Switch games on sale over Christmas. <laughs> Two fucking thousands. How, how do you filter that? Yeah. Like, if you want to go look for something interesting that you haven't heard about, how the fuck do you filter that? It's one thing that uh, the other consoles do a lot better than Nintendo when it comes to the sales. They, just, they actually curate them a little bit. Yeah, there's we'll no say yes or no. Nintendo, um, you'll have like three standout games at the top and then after that it's just vomited out in random order and even then for the bulk of it it's based on what's selling the most um, so you still see some it's shit it's self-fulfilling prophecy as well because it's so, like $2.50 or something and yeah um, but there, I mean there was a game from a few years ago similar sort of uh, and oh, like five or six years ago now called Never Alone um, that yeah, was, I remember that yeah like that was similar sort of idea to what Ken was just describing and again region of the region of the world that we don't necessarily think of mm. sorry it's been too long it doesn't it doesn't uh, uh click with me what it was right now at the top of my head but um and again just like getting to explore another culture and come to understand and it wasn't like that wasn't they weren't trying to force that down like that wasn't the the crux of the the story they were trying to tell it was they had their own story but it was set in a setting that i was unfamiliar with and it was great to learn about it no i think you and i were talking about the same game never alone um I, I misremembered it was not a Native American tribe, it was an Inuit tribe. Yeah. Never okay. Alone's good. Never Alone's yeah, actually Never fantastic. Yeah. So like, Co- it's, it could be played in co-op? Um, you cooperate with a spirit. I don't know if you can play it in co-op. I played it by myself. It may have a co-op. See, I, I reckon that was co-op because I played it with my wife. Well, then girlfriend, but... Yeah, but possibly. But, you know, it's just it's just essentially that. And I just want to be spending my, my, my yeah, 2021 just little bit more time um, casting an eye on, on these games that would not 
otherwise get much visibility in quote unquote mainstream gamer press. Oh, ugh, I hate those words. <laughs> <laughs> but even some of our local talent these days, like we're yeah, absolutely so so well represented. Oh, yeah. Obviously, being being kind of part of that local scene as well there's a few things that rise to the top simply due to that fact alone but yep. Aussie titles are being fairly well represented on the big stage these days oh, sure yeah. we're not putting out big you know AAA titles yet because the financial crisis from 15 years ago did a number on all that and I think we're still rebounding and you know that's fine the indie titles are killing it because you know we, we look ahead to this year and Hollow Knight Silk Song and and Sports Story are among two of the most anticipated indie games of 2021 and they're Aussies so like, Aussies are doing okay, but there's so uh, as well. But there's so many other regions of the world that just get brushed under the sheet. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, and that's 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 that that'll be my my focus for resolution for 2021. I'll be I'll be keen for you to send through some of these names at various points as as they pop up as you discover some of these things. So I'll be I'll be keen to have a look. Yeah, absolutely, we'll do. Well, they'll probably come through as a player to play at some point. Exactly. Oh, wait, just just <laughs> subscribed again on YouTube. Anyway, I don't have to say anyway because we have managed to run this thing super long. Um, you've been listening to the Giant Bombcast. No. Um. But Ken, Sorry, thank you, thank you very much for coming and having a lot to say. Sorry, <laughs> that joke just landed like like with like a. It, yeah, I just I, I freaking picked myself up and nobody said anything and then well, you had almost to... as well as the you know the landing from Blaster Master Zero Two right <laughs> hit the ground. Yeah. With oh. Button. Just recharging myself. See what you're going for. All right, we, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are clearly running out of fuel. <laughs> so, Ken, thank you very much for coming on and like just unloading about Cyberpunk. Oh God, I needed that. I just I felt I felt that was like, <laughs> this is getting weird. That was my, 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 my no. That was my therapy <laughs> session. That was my. <laughs> Look, we've got through the whole Cyberpunk conversation without talking about the dildos. Dil- so that, that dildos, was really good. Yeah. Well. All right, and um, yeah, all right, Paul. Thank you for reminding me that there were dildos in Cyberpunk. I Somehow mean, I've that ta- I've spoken about dildos. I've spoken about strap-ons so far, so we're we're, t- we're doing all right. Just, wait, wait, yeah. You've actually, and actually, need to now bounce it back to Ken because I forgot. Ken, you got anything you want to pimp before we? <gasps> no, nothing specific right now. But oh, you know, as always, check out the the Player Two YouTube channel. It's it's just got so much stuff. It's going to start it's winding just, up again around about now. It's just got yeah, so we've much stuff. we've got content going up today, and I'm sure Ken will be contributing to that soon enough as well. Yeah. Today being a very wo- very weird word when you're pre-recording a podcast. Good point. There will be stuff up. There will be stuff up for 2020 by the time you're listening to this show. I still haven't decided which of the two possible dates we're actually going to upload it on yet. Um, all right, Paul, do you have anything you wish to like throw out there? You, you're doing like a million projects. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, there's through. always there's always something in the fire. Um, still, as as I said before, with my my little resolution for the year, undecided as to whether the Gears Five and Pathless reviews will go up, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, the podcast scene there is Dev Diary. That is kind of my my baby these days. Um, and it's going really, really well. So please, if you if you're subscribed to the Pixelcast feed, go subscribe to Dev Diary as well. It's a one-on-one interview series with game developers, big and small, from around the globe, sharing their stories and experiences. And we've had some big names on. I have set a rather lofty goal this year. Uh, we'll we'll have some exceptional uh, exceptional talent on there, but there's one person I've got locked in the gun. And I incre- even created a wanted poster for him and put him on uh, put him on Twitter. Uh, Corey Barlog. I'm, I'm shooting for this year. Wow. It probably won't happen. 
It probably won't happen. Corey is a very, very prominent developer. But, um, and, you know, you're wrapped up in Sony and PR and all those sort of things. Probably won't happen. But I've got 12 months. Here's your resolution, dude. Here's your big. I was going to say, like, that's your resolution, right? That's my big resolution. So, Corey Barlog. 2021 is the year. If you're listening, (laughs) of course you're listening right now. So, so Corey uh, is the the one I'm shooting for. But no, I mean, every every fortnight, basically every every week that this show isn't on, there's an episode going live on the Dev Diary feed there. So go check that out as well. And uh, after two years of gestation, uh, Gamer School, the series where I basically uh, rip through an IP, every single little aspect of its history. Uh, in enormous levels of depth the second season series of that uh, goes live on the 14th of Jan so may or may not be up may or may not already out depending on when we upload this Um, but that is dedicated to the Tomb Raider IP and it's about a 40 minute oh that's gonna be a lot of stuff holy crap video slash audio version because I'm also putting it up on the dev diary feed um where I'm pouring through the entire franchise, the history of that, how how Lara came to be, how certain games came to be, what happened with development, the the shift from core design to Crystal Dynamics, all those sorts of things. So, um, so go and check that one out. It's going to be on the Play Two YouTube channel and the Dev Diary podcast feed. And then there's written stuff for Play Two of course. Of which there will be a Play nice two. trickle of, I think. Again, it'll be starting to like spin up. I think by the time we get in this live, oh, I sure. actually don't have any immediate plans. So. Anything. I have a couple of things that I maybe want to do. I should probably go nag QSO because somebody has to review that remake of Nier that's coming out this year. Anyway, I, <laughs> can, I, as as a member of that editorial team, I'm going to still handball it over to Matt. But it's probably yours. <laughs> well, I may not have anything to play it on based on my current resolution, so we have no idea how this is going to go. <laughs> I may be shooting myself in the foot there. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I might not. I pretend it on Twitter. That's the drill I've got right now. Cool. And I think with that, well, it's the nah, it's the first one of the season. So. And we're here.